Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. You're dialed into Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Be a part of the show live every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or the CMSNetwork.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live at those four fine locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to catch video replays of the show, check out our YouTube channel or check out the CMS Network YouTube channel. And if you are watching watching on YouTube, please do not forget to click those like and subscribe buttons so that you are notified every time we go live. And if you'd like to catch audio replays of the show, you can download them anytime you want on just about any audio platform that you can think of. So tonight is going to be a really, really fun show. Uh, as you know, we are doing our deep dive into the 1999 Dream Theater classic, Scenes from a Memory. And uh, Brian will not be with us tonight. He is actually driving to St. Louis. Lewis to have some much needed family time. He's a little bit of a mama's boy, which is a good thing. And he's off to see his mother down there in uh, rain ravaged St. Louis. But in his place, we have a very, very, very good friend of the show. You may have uh, seen him on before. He is uh, the co host on one of my all time favorite episodes that we have done the Dream Theater song Fantasy Football Draft. Uh, that was a really fun, that was one of the first episodes that we did. But he was on there and, um, he pulled some really shitty moves out of his out of his hat for that one and <laughs> stole some big songs. So uh, without further ado, let's bring him back on. Our very good friend, you may recognize him from the chat, Adam Rishog. What is up, man? Hello, everybody. Hello, DT family. There you go. Look at that. Kale, right off the bat. Did okay. did you get did you get a haircut, John? Looks good. Thank you. Yes, I I, I cut my hair off. I was growing it out. Finally got sick of wearing a hat, so there you go. Well, thanks, off Kale. Topic. I yeah. also got a haircut, but whatever. <laughs> but you're wearing a hat. <laughs> I know this. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Your mom is tuning in. Rebecca oh, yeah. Heon says, that's my son. There you go. There you're all, you're famous at least with one viewer. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, man. So thank you very much for jumping on. I know, um, again, we, we had you on before and... Seriously, that that football style draft we did with the songs was still one of my favorite episodes. That was a blast. So, um, yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. Yeah, and I, I, I've that's one of the ones I've re-listened to multiple times. I don't usually re-listen to myself very much, but that one I have. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just glad that I could thieve you know the entirety of six degrees of inner turbulence from that episode. <laughs> it's such a cheap move, but I loved it. Oh, that pissed Brian off to no end. Oh boy! That was that's, that's like mainly why it's so great. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was pissing off Brian is 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 a pastime of mine, and, and you jumped right in admirably. So, yeah. Um, well, let's jump into this before we get into the song by song thing here, man. Um, 
what is your experience with this record? Like, how did you first discover it? Were you already a fan of the band? Uh, give us your background on Scenes from a Memory. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I, I'm a little bit uh, backwards. I mean, I'm, not, I'm only 32 years old. So this album, when it came out, I would have been nine years old. Um, but this was actually how I discovered the band. So this was the very first Dream Theater album I had ever heard which if you know from all of their previous like four studio albums that it was like a <laughs> it's quite an album to be your first you know introduction into the band yep but uh yeah i think what i i discovered it uh funny enough i can remember the exact day because when i discovered this album the day after that happened was the day that Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence was released. Wow, okay. So it just kind of coincidentally lined up that way. So, um, but at the time, it was uh, actually my sister's boyfriend who was over listening to music, and I could always hear the music playing from their room. And this was one of the albums that he put on. He would listen to a lot of Opeth, but at the time, I wasn't into the... Uh, the, the growls and the screaming kind of music at that moment. Sure. But yeah, so he, uh, this one is one of the albums that he put on and I remember hearing it and just like bursting into the room and being like, what is this? <laughs> and, uh, fell in love with it from that time. And then, yeah, listened to it religiously and then kind of started, uh, reading up on the band. And then that's when I discovered, Oh, they have a brand new album coming out tomorrow. And then, Literally that day, went to uh, HMV, which no longer exists, and picked up this album and Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence and any other CD of theirs I could find, and the rest is history. I've listened to them every day since, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. And so Sean Jovi says... Overture 1928 was the first Dream Theater song I ever heard, and it blew me away. After that, I went and listened to the whole album all the way through. Harrison Miller says, my first was The Dance of Eternity. And drummer Chris says it was his first album as well. Uh, it's, it's funny that this is kind of like the album that turned you into you know, a super fan because that's basically my experience with it as well. Um, hmm. You know, I was a fan of the band and, you know, I had um, the first, uh, well, not first two, but, you know, second and third record, uh, Images and Awake. And, and I was into it and stuff like that. And, and a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Wardlaw, who's actually my co-host a couple times, uh, he you know, did the score episode with me. Mm -hmm. uh, he was doing a show called The Metal Show here in Cleveland. It was, it was on from 10 p.m. to midnight every Sunday night. And when Scenes was coming out, he played the entire record. And it's you know, no commercials, no nothing, straight through on The Metal Show. And I was over at my girlfriend's house, laying there in bed, just listening to this. You know, she was asleep. And I was like, oh, my God. And after that, it just, it was over for me. That was like the beginning of my super fandom. And then September 7th, or excuse me, February 17th of 2000 was the first time I ever saw them. And I, you know, it was on this hmm. tour. And it was, you know, nine days before my birthday. And it was, it was just, forget about it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> man, oh, man. Man, I can oh man! Only imagine. Look, yeah. look at this! Look at this! Christoph 
Gotebeck, I'm probably butchering that. He says, hey guys, first time live and only for a few minutes because it's 1.30 a.m. in Poland now. I was waiting for this episode because Scenes from Memory was my first Dream Theater album and still my favorite. Can't wait to listen to the whole episode tomorrow. Greetings from Poland. Yeah, man. Thanks for tuning in, Christoph. Much appreciated, man. That's very cool of you, especially since it's so late over there. So. But yeah, so this is basically the record that kind of flipped the switch for me from I'm a fan to okay, like I'm like stupidly in love with this band. So <laughs> yeah. um this this de- definitely fanboyed me for sure. Um So why don't we get into this here? You know, I've got a few notes before we actually go track for track. Um Okay. So I don't know about you, but you and I kind of messaged about this a little bit today. I had a hard time going through it track by track because I always think of it as one solid piece of music. There are songs right. that like when I listened to it, when I actually had to go track by track, I was like, well, wait a minute. That's where that one starts and ends. Like I, I didn't know because I'm so used to thinking of this as just one piece of music. And right. you know, that being said, I mean, this thing is 77 minutes. So it's, you know, almost an hour and 20 minutes long. It does not feel like it. That, runtime just flies by mm-hmm. so it, it's a very interesting record for me in 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 terms of you know those two factors and the the other the other thing that i like about it is you know concept records i i really enjoy them but i mean you know this you're into a whole bunch of different stuff concept records can tend lyrically to get a little cheesy in spots you know they're trying too hard to fit within the framework of the story and i don't think that this album veers into that cheese territory at all what do, what do you think yeah i feel the same way i was actually going to take um because obviously i've listened to well, listened to every episode you guys have ever done but uh typically when you do like these deep dives you're you're like talking about songs and talking about kind of like what you like most about these songs if it's okay with you with this one in particular i was kind of kind of take more of the approach of like letting you and all of everyone listening just like along with the the whole storyline of what's happening and kind of like the interpretation of it because i think it's really i totally agree with you like there's not a lot of there's not very much cheesiness at all in terms of the lyrics um like I think on the surface, ones like "One Last Time" or "Spirit Carries On" could give you that impression of like cheesy lyrics, but mm-hmm. in the concept of the whole story that this album goes through, you realize that it's it's like quite meaningful. Um, so I think I was just I was wanting to just one just in case there was anyone because it took me a, a while and some like really heavy learning and discovering to kind of figure out the whole story of this album. And I was kind of hoping to kind of guide some people along if they're a little confused and just gain appreciation for the storytelling in this. Cause it's pretty incredible when you break it down. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because Brian is, you know, commenting and driving, which is always safe. He's also eating Arby's. He says, he says, give a quick breakdown of the story on this album. It confuses me, honestly. And I had actually pulled up the Wikipedia because it does go into like a description of Act 1 and 2. 
because I was the same way. I was like, so what exactly is happening here? Uh, you know, our buddy Robert Reams, he says, Com- concept albums are hard to judge song by song. However, I think this one's an exception. This one I think you can. Can't say the same for The Astonishing. Um, you know, I don't know. I think I think that ties into the lyrics a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, no, no, I take that back. I take that back. I, I Yeah, forget it. Whatever I was going to say was stupid. Never mind. I I almost made a dumb point, so forget it. I'll I'll, I'll you, dump you out. You almost of that pulled one. a Brian there. I did. I I'll dump out of a bad point before I make it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you want to go song by song? Should we read what Wikipedia has to say? That is the is the storyline of Act One, or what is your preference? Uh, I think we should just kind of move along with the story song by song, and everyone listening. Okay can kind of get a feel for it instead of just kind of a overall synopsis at the beginning. Okay. Well, why don't we do the synopsis after the end of Act 1 and then after the end of Act 2? So we'll, cool. we'll go song by song in the first half and then song by song in the second half, and we'll at least give that story because I know I, w- I was pretty interested to read that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I do have those on the screen. but uh, So we'll, we'll do that after each act. Cool. So, of course, as you know, scenes from a memory... 1999 classic dream theater concept record opens with regression not too much to say here obviously it's you know just a very simple um very simple just acoustic guitar and vocal type of thing mm-hmm. uh, i think the i think the most interesting thing about this is, is the shitstorm that it caused with the producer of the record i think that's the most interesting thing about the track what was that all about so I, rem- I remember reading that in the biography, but don't remember exactly what that's all about. So, yeah, the producer, Terry Brown, like he, he, it's his voice that's doing that voiceover. Like, close your eyes and begin to relax. And right. he was not aware that he was going to be on the final mix of the record. And apparently he got all kinds okay. of butthurt when the record came out and he was still on. There. He's like, what the hell? I didn't, th- and it caused this whole big thing. To the point where on the live scenes DVD somewhere in the credits, it says, no thanks to Terry Brown. <laughs> so they were all excited to work with the guy who did all those Rush records. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it turned out to be a bad experience because of that, you know, in the oh, end. So to me, that's, you know, the most interesting thing about it. Um, you know, it's, it, I will say it's definitely not an indicator of things to come. So, but I, th- I think it does set. I, sure. I think it sets a mood really, really cool. Though I think I don't know where you stand on this, but I, I've always thought that you know, even though it's it's just simple and to the point, the whole introing it with like, oh, it's a guy sitting on a you know psychiatrist's couch. Mm-hmm. I, the story to me is very personal, and and they do a good job again go, going back to the lyrics of really putting you in the moment. And I I think that the way they present this opening track, no matter how small or simple it is, really kind of sets it up what do you think yeah i think that's exactly what it is it's just like a a whole a setup for the entire album for the entire story there's some there's some melody vocal melody in here that kind of comes back uh into play throughout the rest of the album and yeah in terms of the story um so right out right out the gate uh for those that don't know this was this whole album is a is a sequel to Metropolis Part One, even though it wasn't first intended to be. 
because uh, John Petrucci just added part one to the end of the Metropolis title as a joke <laughs> without, yep. without any intention of making a sequel. But then, yeah, due to like a lot of fan demand and like the popularity of the song, they're like, okay, we'll write one. And then, as I'm sure you know, John, they wrote a like a instrumental demo in the Falling Into Infinity sessions to this and then it became this full album yeah it's it's like 26 minutes or something crazy yeah and it's wild i listened yeah, to it, it today it's very disjointed isn't it yeah but then there's like tons of little parts where you're like oh yeah i recognize that from yeah they, they pulled so many little pieces out of it to make this full record it, it's really kind of cool the backstory on that because you know like you said like Petrucci kept getting people going, when are we going to get Metropolis Part 2? He's like, damn it, that wasn't the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, know, yeah. So I guess, yeah, before we move on to the next song, because we don't need to spend a ton of time on this track. Uh, yeah. But there's there's five main characters in this story. So there's uh, Nicholas, Victoria, and the Miracle, who is Edward Edward. The sleeper, who is Julian, and then the hypnotherapist. Yep. So the basically what this opening track is doing is just setting up the Nicholas is seeing a hypnotherapist. They're going through uh, something called regression therapy because basically Nicholas has been having these dreams, and when he when the therapist uh, hypnotizes him, he goes into a past life where he starts seeing very familiar things. So that kind of that's kind of setting up the whole story. I'm really glad you did this stuff cuz I, I I didn't go quite that deep into it, but it's it's fascinating cuz now that you mentioned regression therapy, I do remember John Petrucci mm-hmm. saying something like that that you know that was kind of like a catalyst for the story. Yeah, I went so. quite deep in this, John. So. <laughs> That's why we call it a deep dive, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, all right, so track two is Overture 1928. Um, this is definitely one of my favorite instrumentals of theirs. Um, one thing that I has always... I would argue always... it's the best instrumental on the album. Hot oh, take. he's taking a shot at Dance of Eternity already. Okay. Mm-hmm. I See... Something about this track for me has always, especially once I knew the history behind it, uh, this whole record, something about this song, it's like you can hear how rejuvenated they are just by the idea of, okay, we don't have to worry about the label you know, coming in and pissing on our heads. You know, We don't have to worry about writing hit singles. We're going to write what we want to write, and we're going to put it out, and everything be damned. And yeah. there's just something upbeat about it. And when you combine that with the energy, you know, the freshness that Jordan brings, you know, they were so excited to get him in the band. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's all over this track. And it really, really shows. And it's upbeat. And, you know, I, one of the other things that, that it kind of shows for me as well, Adam, is that one of the things I've always thought about this record is that it isn't quite as proggy 
as a lot of their other records, it's a little more accessible. Mm. And you've got those prog moments, but I think that they simplify it here and there a little more than they do on other records. And I think this song is a perfect mm-hmm. cross section of that. You know, it's a great, it, you've got a little bit of progressive moments, but for the most part, it's a straight ahead instrumental and stuff. And so I think yeah. it kind of sets the table, you know, in that way. So, um, what, what are you, what are your thoughts on Overture 1928? For sure. Well, I mean, like, like I said, I think this is, it might not be their best instrumental they've ever done. Um, and as cool and as kind of wild and wacky and crazy that Dance of Eternity is, I think this is, I think this is just a better instrumental in my opinion. I think it's just because it's short, sweet, to the point, and I know that's probably a hot take that'll make some people angry, but I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, again, like as 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 like just a, a start off to the point to this album, and. Yeah, you put a really cool way the energy behind it. I just think it's kind of unmatched in a lot of their instrumentals. So, yeah, I I, I love it. And uh, in terms of the story, it's called the nineteen twenty eight because this is this acts as the transition of Nicholas uh, in the hypnotherapy transporting back to the year nineteen twenty eight. All right where things start to happen. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Well, Kale, Kale says... Uh, overture 1928, the best overture of all time. I do love the way the opening rhythmic motif is a repitched version of the Metropolis verse riff and how much this sets up for the album as a whole. Uh, Brian, my co-host, he says, better than Dance of Eternity? My God, get in your boat and go back to your Canadian continent. <laughs> oh, right there. He's got a lot to say for someone who's driving and eating a roast beef sandwich. I'm telling you. I don't you. know how he's Are, doing that. He's probably using voice. voice uh, oh, he's voice better at that than podcast hosting. hey <laughs> Boom. I'm just, I'm just kidding, Brian. I'm just kidding. Uh, Joe Gebhardt, good to see you, man. He says, first Dream Theater song I heard was Overture 1928. It ended up on my iPod back in the day somehow, and I was hooked. Yep. Hard to disagree there, man. All right, moving on to track number three, Strange Deja Vu. Uh, This is, you know, for me, a great opening track. It gives you a perfect window into the rest of the record. You know, if if Overture 1928 was the instrumental version of a record that's, you know, not quite as progressive as a lot of their other stuff, I think this is the full song, full band version of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that's my second note. It's a pretty straightforward tune. Not a ton of progginess to it, um, but it's just a great, great, catchy song. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's th- That's another thing this record really has, is there's so much melody in the vocals. There's a lot of sing-song parts to it, like sing-along things to it, and they may not necessarily be in choruses. So I think they did a right. phenomenal job of writing melody into this record to kind of make it a little more accessible as you're going through this story and having to, you know, ride the rails of a concept record instead of just going wherever the hell the band wants you to go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I dig this song. What do you think? I also love this song. Something interesting that I discovered today. Uh, so I was listening while I was making notes. I was listening to this album on on vinyl and on the on the vinyl release. There's a couple songs that do this, but obviously, like on like a digital version or CD version, this is listed as like Overture is listed as track two. This is listed as track three, 
on the vinyl version, it's listed as one song, Overture and Strange Boo. Really? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I had never noticed that before. And um, I don't know if that was... I, I'm, I'm curious to the intention behind splitting up the songs digitally, but uh, there's a couple, there's a couple more songs as we'll go along that I, that on the vinyl version, it's like, cause this one, it says like overture slash strange deja vu. And it's like eight minutes long. And I was like, wait, <laughs> strange deja vu is not eight minutes long. <laughs> and, and you so. know, it's what, that's one of those weird dream theater things that they're, it's just a dream theater thing. Hey man, why don't we do a different, on different yeah. releases and we'll screw with people's minds. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so well so, thought out, you know? Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, pretty st- straightforward for a, a dream theater song. Uh, but again, I think it's just because it's kind of starting to set up uh, the story. Uh, and if you want me to dive into the story a little bit. So he is into... So he's into that regression therapy at this point. Um, he's in like he's in the in the year nineteen twenty eight, and he's recognizing a lot of his surroundings at this point. This is Nicholas, by the way. Okay. Um, so yeah, he's recognizing a lot of his surroundings at this point. Uh, then he. Uh, finds that house that's in in that one verse there's a house that I'm drawn to familiar settings nothing new so he uh, goes into the house uh, goes up the stairs which are important to the story and goes into a room and there's a mirror in the room and there's a girl in the mirror and it's uh, the girl but he doesn't recognize her at first and so he asks the girl in the mirror tell me why I'm here. And it says, while he was looking into the mirror, he, that pre-chorus where it says in her eyes, I sense a story never told behind the disguise. There's something tearing at her soul. And that's kind of the start of him realizing, uh, who Victoria is. And she speaks back to him. And then, kind of is relaying that something like a tragedy happened and that she was murdered. And then I'm loving that you've, you've got this stuff, dude. Like, this is awesome. (laughs) I'm like really into this. Like, is there music to talk about? (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, lots. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, so that happens. She, she tells him like, there's a, a fatal tragedy and, that she was murdered and then it jumps to in the, in the same song, it jumps back to present. So he's out of the regression therapy and that's the part where, uh, just for like uh, lyrical cues, that's the part where it goes into that hard guitar and it's like back on my feet again. Oh, yeah. eyes open to the unreal world. So he's back into uh, present day and he, that's when he starts dreaming of, his of this past life so like what is this other life haunting me every every day i'd break through the other side if only i'd find a way and that kind of leads into him 
starting the search for like what happened to Victoria. And then, so yeah, the deja vu is kind of a play on, uh, it's a play on him realizing that he has re he has lived this life previous however life, many yeah. however many years ago so there you go man awesome <laughs> very cool man i like i said, I, I, I love this it's like cuz i've always wondered and to get this much detail into it is really cool like i i never really listened to like i mean i listen to the words but i i'm not like a lyric guy but right. as i was you know preparing for this episode i really started digging into them and i was like that's why i mentioned them at the mentioned them at the beginning because i'm like man wow this is some really intelligent stuff so i'm really glad you did this work man <laughs> this is this is really cool so i, I kind of nerded out which, hey, well dude we're, we have a show about dream theater it doesn't get more nerdy than that true. my friend <laughs> like, there, there's on, a so. reason why i uh why i continued to bug you about bringing me on the deep dive episode because <laughs> right this is for for full uh, disclosure. Not only is this my favorite Dream Theater album by like a country mile, it's my favorite album like ever made ever in the history of music. So that's that's awesome, man. I'm glad yeah. that I'm glad you're on for that. Then that's cool. That is really really cool. That's I, I, that's I'm kind of looking forward. On October sixth, we have an episode, and it's we're gonna do one of our off episodes where we're doing uh, deep dive into like a band that influenced them and you know october 6th is the day that eddie van halen passed and mm. we're gonna do our van halen episode that day so i'm really looking forward to cool. for that reason you know so I, I feel you so all right so moving on into the story we have through my words not a lot here uh, it's very short but it definitely it's definitely a beautiful beautiful song uh, J- James yeah. is in really good form, I think, on the mellower parts on this record. It's there's a lot of soul, a lot of emotion to it, and listening in headphones, the production of his vocals is a little more in your face. It's a little more personal. Mm-hmm. It's a little more dry, and I think it works great on songs like this. So, I again, not much to say through my words. It's only like two minutes or something it's a real short one but it's great it's it's a nice little melodic break there yeah which one thing i appreciate about this album is that yeah it's filled with those kind of melodic breaks because uh, some songs can get pretty intense uh yes uh despite this song being so short this is actually the first like real big turning point in the story so it's very important lyrically actually because uh, this, so this song is when Nicholas starts realizing, by the way, hopefully people want to hear this because there's like major spoilers if you haven't heard the story. <laughs> Already. Hey, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is a spoiler I mean, show. We are not going spoiler free. Yeah. The album's been out for 23 yeah, years, I'm sure. Exactly. You, after after yeah. 23 years, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the point in the story where Nicholas realizes that he is actually the present day reincarnation of the now like the dead Victoria back in 1928. So there you go. There's your left turn. There's your le- one, one of many. Which of uh, course leads us yeah. to fatal tragedy. Yes. So, what what are, the, what are the the tracks called? They're called um, act or scene or something. Is it 
Yeah, this is scene three. Okay. All right, because I, I know there's like different... Okay. So yeah, so this is Fatal Tragedy. I should have written that down. I just have it numbered in terms of track numbers. So probably not the best idea. But uh, yeah, so this one to me is like now is where you get into some real classic, you know, dream theater, just craziness. And yeah, this is like the first taste you get of, okay, when I think of buying a dream theater record, this is what I think of. Yeah. And one of the things I love about it is that once that instrumental break kicks in, it just, the song just goes from there. And, um, you know, this is kind of what you were waiting for. If, you, if you're looking for something more like awake and images and words, this is, this is what you were waiting for, I think. Mm-hmm. Now you're finally like, okay, here we go, here we go. And, you know, this is one of the standout tracks for me personally, just because, you know, that when it gets into the... You know, I love that kind of stuff. And, you know, the double bass and everything and... Um, man, this song, it, it's like a tank for the second half of it. Um, yeah. And real quick note before I, we get to your notes. Of, I apologize if I'm sweating. It is like 100 degrees up here. So <laughs> for anybody watching on the video, if I, if I look like I'm having a medical issue, I'm not. It's just really, really hot. <laughs> and I turned my air conditioner off so you don't hear it rumbling in the background. So yeah, I'm probably glistening too. So <laughs> it's just as hot yeah. up here. I can't wait till we buy a house next year and have central air. Good Lord, but um, all right. So your thoughts on fatal tragedy. Yeah. So, uh, this is another one where on the track listing on the vinyl through my words and fatal tragedy are one song listed again, which is okay. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I- I just saw something. I, sorry to cut you off, but I'm noticing oh, no. on ahead. the Wikipedia page, on the track listing, it, it is saying that scene one is regression, and mm-hmm. Overture 1928 and Strange Deja Vu are listed as scene two, one, Overture 1928, and scene two, two, Strange yeah. Deja Vu, and it's scene three, one, and scene three, two for Through My Words and Fatal Tragedy. So I guess that was like a... All right. Yeah, so, so I, I think it, I'm. I'm wonder if it was intended as one song by the band, and then they. I think part of the reason, to be honest, why it might have been split up is because, I think if someone on the surface saw, I mean now it doesn't matter so much, but back then in kind of dream theater situation, I think if they saw a track listing and it was like, well the first song's two minutes, but then it's like nine minutes, then nine minutes, then. 11 minutes then nine minutes it's just like it feel pretty overwhelming i think a, li- a little much to yeah a little difficult to yeah. digest yeah well, that makes sense that makes sense so all it right so back wonder, on track though, so, yeah sorry to cut you off there <laughs> back no it's all track. good uh i'm kind of going off track but i'll be quick it makes me wonder though if if you did like a song draft again would you be allowed to <laughs> combine overture <laughs> And Strange Deja Vu is one track. I know Brian probably loves that idea. I was going to say, I could hear him yelling in his car already. <laughs> if that oh, was, my gosh. If that was the case, and you can, and Overture 1928 and Strange Deja Vu is, is actually one song, you could make the case it's one of the best Dream Theater songs ever written. Just going to say. Definitely more draftable, I would say. Yeah. Definitely more draftable. But that's... <laughs> That's really going off the rails, but yeah. Yes. Uh, in terms of the song, musically, yeah, I totally agree with you. You, you kind of 
finally start to get that dream theaterness. I would say with this song, um, you get like kind of like the quirky, like the call and answer between like the keyboard and the guitar in that one part, and like super crazy solo section, the double bass drums and stuff. So you you kind of get that more metal side of Dream Theater and that really like proggy kind of quirkiness. Uh, in terms of the story, this is where Victoria starts to, she actually starts haunting Nicholas in present day and he starts seeing visions, um, that I, that I guess Victoria is hoping to show him. Uh, one of the, one of the visions is he's back at the house in 1928 that they refer to at the very beginning. And he meets an older man that seems to know a lot about kind of what happened in that night. Um, So yeah, this, uh, the old man says to Nicholas, lad, did you know that a girl was murdered here? This fatal tragedy was talked about for years. Victoria has gone forever. Only memories remain. She passed away. She was so young. And so as that vision kind of continues, uh, Nicholas starts learning about Victoria's death and like all the mysteries behind it. And it kind of, that kind of is what propels him to start going into like wanting to investigate either through like visions or like continuing to go through that regression therapy to investigate what actually happened to the murder or in that murder. And I think that's that's pretty much it in terms of in terms of the story at the very end of the song. So when you listen to this song, it leads directly into Beyond This Life. Yep. And the very last part of the song, that part that says, uh, like now it is time to see how you died. Remember that death is not the end, but only a transition. That's yeah the hypnotherapist speaking to Nicholas. Terry Brown being pissed off again, in other words. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and so that's... uh, So that's kind of the transition where it's it's kind of going from, like, Nicholas is at home alone in present day by himself. He's haunted by Victoria. He sees these images that she wants him to see. Then he goes back into therapy... And that's when the hypnotherapist says, remember that death is not the end, it's only a transition, and he's back into his hypnosis at this point. Awesome. Well, Kevin Orta, good to see you, man. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, He agrees with both of us on Fatal Tragedy. He says, agreed. Chris Wilson is checking in from Connecticut. What's up, guys? Representing Connecticut, DT forever. And our good friend, Sar- Sarcasmo Assholio, is back. What's up, boys? Introduced a 20-year-old co-worker to Dream Theater on a long drive, and he said, why have I never heard of them? <laughs> well, they're definitely an acquired taste, so yeah. t- turn him on to the podcast, too. He'll get, he'll get all the deep dive stuff like we are doing tonight and Adam's awesome insight into the story. So moving on, we have Beyond This Life, uh, but only a transition. Mm-hmm. Dude, this song, again, you know, you you pair this up with Fatal Tragedy, 
and these are just two bangers back to back and you know again it's 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 kind of more of the same like fatal tragedy i would say it's definitely that glorious dream theater prog metal that you definitely bought mm-hmm. the record to hear mm-hmm. so um and it's got some really quirky stuff in it i i you know, I, I love like the, the, the drum stuff and in the verses and everything and then it's got that you know, Mike Portnoy having to, you know, percussively hit like eighteen different things in a simple <laughs> verse, which is cool. I, yeah. I like that. Um so that's pretty cool. Um this has one of my favorite instrumental parts of the whole record. That like the kind of slow jam in the middle with mm-hmm. the the horn the horn like the, the keys doing kind of like sounds like a horn section. That is so cool. That is so unique to me. I, I love that. So yeah. that, I, I'm a big fan of this song. Uh, you know, like, like I said, right, you, you've gone through a few tracks, and now you finally get into what you bought the record for, the Dream Theater craziness. So this totally. is definitely a, this is a high point of the record for me, for sure. Where do you stand on Beyond This Life? Uh, same for me. Uh, this was, I, I picked this song in our, in our fantasy football draft because this is one of my favorite uh, Dream Theater songs out there. I would say uh, there's two songs on this album in particular. One we will be getting to that are like up there as some of my favorite dream theater songs I've ever done. Uh, and this is definitely one of them. Um, yeah. Live. It's incredible. Um, that, that live at Budokan version of this song with the whole extended like improv jam is also maybe one of my favorite like dream theater moments. I totally wish I could agree. have seen that live. And so, yeah, in terms of a song, yeah, I think much like, kind of like um, The Great Debate, I think this song kind of has just ev- like everything. Everything yes. you could possibly want in a song is in this song. <laughs> yes, totally, totally agree. Uh, in terms of the story, this is a, a pretty major part of the story. So this is the... I think this is the second last song before uh, Act One ends. That is, I think that Act is One correct. ends at through yeah, her through, eyes. Correct? Through her eyes is the is the last song of Act One. Right. So, yeah, this is this is like I said, major major part of the storyline. Um. The beginning part, like the the headline, that's the newspaper, and I'm sure people have seen that picture around, uh, where it's just like the the headline of like the the murder of Victoria. Um, so Nicholas is kind of reliving what is what kind of happened to Victoria, but uh, spoilers ahead, it it's the the article the newspaper article is actually f- fake it's not telling the whole story really uh which you'll yeah so you'll you find that out in finally free so when we get to that song the last track on the album you you find out that the newspaper article is actually not the real story dream theater suckered us in <laughs> they suckered us in so uh, one of the major points, the, the first chorus of this song, the our deeds have traveled far, what we have been is what we are. That's starting to, that's starting to explain that all of the events that occurred in the past in 1928 are linked to events in the future. 
And it also alludes that each character from the past, there's a reincarnation of those characters in the present form. So kind of what happened in the past, they can learn from in the future. And uh, so Nicholas is starting to realize that um, she was in love. Uh, The person that she was in love with kind of turned evil for better sake of a word and um, tried to forgive them. It also alludes to the fact that the murder was planned and not an accident like the paper says it was. Um, So this is just a lot of uh, kind of investigating, a lot of like guesswork for Nicholas. Um, And then I think that's pretty much it. That's pretty much uh, where it starts to set up uh, through her eyes and then like the second act. So that's kind of what's happening right now well as you said beyond this life does lead into through her eyes and for me this is definitely one of definitely one of the most beautiful ballads that they've ever done uh it's just i I also think it's perfectly placed on the record because you had you know those two monstrously progressive songs in fatal tragedy and beyond this life and i think at this point you're kind of ready to cleanse the palate a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that the record does so well is is it's pacing. You know, they did an excellent job of, you know, getting you into the music and then, okay, here's some dream theater. Okay. 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 (laughs) Hold on. We'll mellow out for a second. And then here's some dream theater. Like, okay, we'll mellow out for a second. Like I thought the pacing on the record's really good. And this is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I like, you know, going back to the lyrics on this, uh, on this record, I think this song is, is the example of that, at least for me. Because I can, every time I've heard, even the very first time I heard this song, I just picture myself like standing there in a cemetery, just looking at this headstone, just feeling down and just sad and being mm-hmm. like, oh man, this is, man, this is such a, such a sad situation. And um, it, it's just lyrically perfect at scene setting. So I, I think that's another reason why I really, really, really like this song. It's, it's, it's pretty high up there for me in, in terms of like dream theater songs that I would listen to over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful. It's, you know, like I mentioned James's voice previously. I mean, this is another great example of that. So yeah, I, I, I love this one, man. What are your thoughts? Uh, very similar. I, this is kind of one of my favorite uh, dream theater ballads as well. Uh, again, live just sounds incredible. Like wh- when you you said you saw them in two thousand, was uh, Teresa there? No, no, not at the Cleveland show. Was that just kind of for that evening with kind of DVD yes. thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But obviously, just like her, like on the her on the record, but her live, just having that other voice, I thought was super cool and. Yep. Yeah, this song just hits you in the feels. It's it's one of those songs that can be uh like kind of like a, a standalone kind of track out of this album, I would say, too. Just as like uh if there were, if you were wanting to put on like a specific song from this album without listening to <laughs> the whole album all the way through. 
well, I can always it, go to like Beyond This Life in this one. Yeah, and I think you know, for people that may not be fans of the band, I think this is another. You know, we've done our gateway songs, but you know, mm-hmm. this would be a good example of one that's just pretty. You know, to say hey, they're not all progressive craziness. You know, they do have like nice simple melodies and a simple song structure, and you know, some lyrics that really paint a picture. And you know, so I I think this is a perfect example of that. Where does the story go in this one? Uh, this one's pretty. Again, so this kind of this wraps up Act One, and basically what this is doing is. Uh, Victoria at this point is still haunting Nicholas, but as he's as he's kind of learning about her her life and like that whole line of like uh, like looking through her eyes, he's learning about her life at this point, and he's starting to like uh, empathize with her and starts coming to the realization that all these images he's seeing that she's showing him won't like won't stop until he actually like solves her murder and and finds out what happened. So that's kind of where it turns into into act 2. And act 2 of course opens with Home, which I think we can all agree if you're a Dream Theater fan, this song absolutely kicks all kinds of ass. <laughs> yes. Uh th- the intro to this song is just so haunting. And for some reason, like knowing what comes after it, I always have this calm before the storm type of feeling whenever I'm listening to this song. And, you know, the the goofy sound effects and, you know, especially coming off the back of, you know, um, uh, through her eyes. You know, it, it's it's just such a cool change in atmosphere all of a sudden. And, you know, this is... Um, one of those dream theater songs that I think will always work live. I've, I've seen it a number of times and you kind of, it's one of those ones where you get to the end and you're like, man, wow. You know, and and they have a lot of those, but you know how it is. I mean, you've seen them live, like Mm -hmm. their songs work, but some like you don't really realize just how involved and all over the place they are until you see them doing it live and and you could feel how the energy actually builds in front of an audience. And I think this one, definitely falls in that category uh what are your thoughts on home the first song in act two yeah i mean you pretty much covered it all this it's quite a quite a change from through her eyes musically obviously it's a lot heavier uh i i think within like dream theater groups this is this is usually up there, I notice, on like a lot of people's favorite tracks, I would say. Um, yeah, I don't fully agree with that, to be honest. I mean, like, I really like it. There's, uh, I think live it translated really well. Um, but they like, they tend to shorten it up quite a bit when it's live. And... Yeah, again, it's longer on the album because I because I think it's it's continuing the story. But on that one greatest hit record they they put out, there's like the radio edit for this. Yeah. Song and I almost like that better just cuz it's kind of short and concise. <laughs> wow, no kidding. It's weird. And I don't like radio edits. Wow. Man, I love this song. I I can't imagine 
like a shorter version. I I love it. It's just I mean it's it's definitely you know there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. I mean it's you know almost thirteen minutes long, but man, this song just rocks. I mean I could see why they would make an edit of it, but man for me this this song is great as is. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean it's it's a cool like focal point in the album. And yet you want to shorten yeah, it. Ju- just personally, yeah. Just personally, there's there's other many other songs I would take over this, right? <laughs> like a kale. There's probably some people that will have my head. <laughs> Kale's one. He says, just pointing out that you'd have kicked me or Brian for that opinion. <laughs> I didn't let him off the hook. I didn't let him off the hook, Kale. Come on now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Robert Reams says, uh, yes, the intro is haunting, and the buildup this blew me away live was one of the first songs I did see live when they opened for Iron Maiden. Kale has a couple good points here. He says, through her eyes needed to be placed. He's going back to the the placement of um, the tracks. But I wanted to bring this up because it kind of like when you... Through her eyes needed to be placed there. If it hadn't, you'd have Fatal Tragedy, Beyond This Life, Home, and Dance of Eternity back to back. And that'd probably kill all who hear it that way. <laughs> now, that's, that's kind of a lot. So. Yeah. All right, so tell us about where the story's at at this point when we are listening to Home. Okay, another loaded uh, storyline here. So we we finally get introduced to uh, the sleeper, who is Julian, and the miracle, who is Edward. Yep. Uh, in this storyline. Also, um, for those following along, anytime you hear the word metropolis throughout this album... Uh, and in Metropolis Part 1, the song, that's referring to Victoria. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So you'll, you'll hear kind of Metropolis within this song, and that's referring to Victoria. Uh, so in this song, yeah, you're introduced to the sleeper who is Julian. So he is uh, in, the, in the past pr- uh, tense. Uh, he was Victoria's original lover, and he is the brother of Edward. So that is very important to the story. Uh, so this introduces Julian as a as like an alcoholic and gambling addict. So like just those lines right at the top of the song, shine, lake of fire, lines, take me higher. My mind drips desire, confined and overtired. And so he's just, and then the home part in the chorus, the home, it's what I long for back home where I belong. The home is actually referring to like the, the drugs and the addiction and, and the alcohol. Um, that's my perspective anyway. <laughs> well, I just, just one man's opinion. Well, Victoria apparently has crappy taste in dudes. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, you doing, Victoria? <laughs> Come on, yeah, get with it. <laughs> uh, so he's starting to um, in this and later on in the story, Julian is starting to recognize his drug addiction, recognizing that it's ruining him, and trying to quit, going through withdrawal potentially uh, and that's that part of like help i'm falling i'm crawling 
I can't keep away from its clutch, can't have it, this habit. It's calling me back to my home. Uh, right after that set of lyrics, uh, it switches to the miracle who is Edward, his brother. And this is Edward starting to realize that he's having feelings for his brother's girlfriend, who is Victoria. So that's the part of like, I remember the first time she came to me, she poured, poured her soul out all night and cried. I remember I was told there's a new love that's born for each one that has died. That's super important. So that's kind of, that's kind of resembling that. That was also the same lyric, by the way, from Metropolis Part One. Mm-hmm. That there's that same lyric. I was told there's a new love that's born for each one that has died. So it's basically, basically leading Edward the brother to believe that, that her her love for Julian has died and that maybe he can replace her love with himself. Um, all within this song, he, ha- he now has an affair. So <laughs> I'll try and make this as clear as possible. So Ed- Edward has an affair with Victoria while she's still dating Julian, the alcoholic gambler guy. Um, that line, I never thought that I could carry on with this life, but I can't resist myself no matter how hard I try, just is uh, implying guilt that they have had the affair. And what's interesting lyrically is when they go back to that part, that home, it's what I long for, home where she belongs. Um, the second time they sing chorus, it's sung through the eyes of Edward, not Julian. So the first time it's like Julian saying home is the drugs and the alcohol. Uh, the second time it's through Edward's eyes and home is referring to Victoria, where I belong. Kind of interesting okay. there. Wow. All right. Um, so, yeah. Go so ahead. Victoria's banging two brothers. Essentially, yes. <laughs> first half is from the druggie. Second half is right. from the politician guy. So exactly. Okay. And okay. So now we're getting into the second chorus. Um, Edward is like basically head over heels for Victoria. He's fully in love with her. Um, there's another set of lyrics here taken from Metropolis part one. That's the Victoria watches and thoughtfully smiles. She's taking me to my home. And Edward's basically like, I don't know if I can keep doing this because Julian is my brother. And so the lyrics right before they go into that instrumental break, the uh, help, he's my brother, but I love her. I can't keep away from her touch. Deception, dishonor, it's calling me back home. Uh, So interesting little trivia here. I found uh, this one I didn't find on my own. I will say that. In that instrumental break, so like the very... I would say kind of a famous instrumental break because you hear like the casino stuff in the background and then you hear like the, the woman orgasming in that, this part of the song. Um, so the, the, the sounds of the casino is supposed to be depicting that Julian is like, uh, indulging his addiction. He's like drunk at the casino playing craps. And when the, 
the woman woman moaning happening at the same time as Edward sleeping with Victoria and like they're cheating on each on or he's she's cheating on him with Edward while he's out playing craps essentially. So, so they're both in their home, you might say. Exactly. Look at that. Um, See, yeah, Kale, Kale pointed it out in the comments as you were bringing that up. He says, yeah. yeah, can I just point out the brilliant production of the break before the solo where panned in the left is Julian gambling and in the right is Edward and Victoria doing the dance of eternity. So hey, there it is. Eternity, a euphemism for sex now. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. There it also go. happens to be the next song on the album. Yes. So, yeah, that's basically where we're at in the story. Um, which yeah leads into the next one. So they are having they are full on having the affair. And yes, this this dance of eternity, I guess, is a representation of their sex life, if you will. Which, if, <laughs> if that's well, true, then boy howdy. <laughs> I was gonna say if if they have a sex life as good as uh, you know the dance of eternity, the song, then they're doing it right there because. Uh, <laughs> I think this is definitely one of the best Dream Theater instrumentals ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, man, it's just so good. I, I'm, I'm really surprised that you, of all people, this being your favorite <laughs> record, put Overture 1928 above this one. That's definitely a hot take for the night. Barely. <laughs> well, all right. You still did, though. I did. Don't be, yeah. don't be hedging your bets now. <laughs> I'll live with that. <laughs> right. Um, this this also this one has you know again one of those instrumental parts that I absolutely love that always sticks with me. I mm-hmm. when the very first time I heard the record I was like what the hell is that and I still love it to this day that barroom piano part in the middle is just so cool because when do you ever hear that especially yeah. in the middle of some you know crazy prog metal instrumental like this mm-hmm. uh, and also the bass solo John Mayung's bass solo in here is just ridiculous and watching him play that live is. It makes it even better that that oh my god <laughs> his his hands just like <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what are you doing oh my god so yeah th- this song is just all over the place and um, definitely like I said one of the, one of my favorite instrumentals that they've done and it I I think you know now knowing where the story is at I think this is kind of a good kind of a you know musical representation of. You know the story so far. Like, oh, blah, blah. there's all these different pieces and parts and mm-hmm. all all sort of all sort of things, you know, going on. So, uh, Robert Husted, good to see you, man. He says, I can't type tonight. LOL. Dance of Eternity is one of my favorites. Never gets old. Dance of Eternity may not be your favorite instrumental on this record, Adam, but I'm sure that uh, you do have some opinions on it. So, what are they? I do. Um, yeah, I mean. Th- this is one of those songs where at any time I hear it and like still after hearing it like probably hundreds of times, it's just, it still is kind of like how in the world does, did they come up with this? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like just how do you, I don't know. It doesn't, it boggles my mind to be honest. Um, I'm sure we've all seen the video of like of Mike Portnoy going along with the song and showing all of the time signature changes that happen. Oh Yeah. If you haven't, go look it up because it'll it'll just bend your mind even more as to like how this is even written. Um, yeah, the song of uh, as a whole is is quite good. Like even though 
I like Overture a little bit more. It's obviously up there with the, some of their best instrumental work, potentially like best musical kind of writing that they've ever done. Um, and yeah, really like iconic dream theater moments like that kind of little red time bar piano stuff. And yeah, it's a good, uh, I, I really like it despite <laughs> maybe one of my opinions, but yeah, it's also just in terms of the album, it's a really good kind of transition to the like last bit of the story. Yeah. And, of course, the last bit of the story starts with One Last Time. Uh, this, again, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's another sing-along, I think. it's mm-hmm. It's got a great chorus to it, and it's just, you know, I mean, there's not much to it for me. I mean, I love everything on this record, so by saying, oh, there's not much to it, I'm not, you know, denigrating the song in any way. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's a good song. And, like I say, the, there's that vocal melody you can sing along to, and... I love that. You know, I love that those sorts of things are all over this record, and this is a good example of that. So where do you stand on One Last Time? Yeah, really cool song. Uh, I remember when I heard this, like, the very first time, that transition out of Dance of Eternity into this song, I always thought was really cool. Uh, this is the This is the last time also on the on the vinyl where the dance of attorney and one last time is again listed as scene seven. So one, one song split into two parts kind of thing. Yep. Which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, I guess musically like not a ton to talk about like instrumental wise, but yeah, some, some of my favorite, uh, like vocal melodies and names, vocal performances, I think are on this, track too yeah just that that one last time part is just is so good yeah like it you know like i was saying earlier like his his performance on the mellow stuff on this record is just absolutely spot on just Mm -hmm. some of his best stuff for me absolutely so where are we at in the story with one last time where are we at in the story so uh after their little you know fun little party while Julian's at the casino. Uh, it switches now to present day. So I think, I think at this point, Nicholas is, is unhypnotized at this point. Um, so now it's referring to, he's, he's thinking that there's still something missing with the story. He still wants to figure it out. Uh, and that's like represented in that lyrics at the very beginning of the song doesn't make any sense this tragic ending in spite of the evidence there's something still missing uh the one last time chorus that we were just talking about that is now in switching to the past tense and that is victoria uh speaking those words uh i i believe it's referring to the and this is really important to kind of the end of the story so Victoria and Edward end up breaking up because they're like, we can't keep having this affair. And so that that part of the story, one last time we'll lay down today, one last time until we fade away, is referring to like the last time they'll be together. Like this is, this is the last day this will happen. Uh, 
right after that, it then switches again to Nicholas in present day. He is, uh, even though it's present day, he's standing in the home of Edward. So in the beginning, like, you know how it's like when he's referring to the home that draws him, leads him up the stairs and sees Victoria in the mirror at the very beginning of the story. We now learn that that house is still there in present day. And Nicholas is standing in that home. Uh, And it holds all the clues to basically the story. And that's the, that's the whole part of that chorus. Um, The outro of the song is when Victoria starts to, uh, where is, sorry, where is this in my notes? Uh Uh-oh, you're getting lost. (laughs) I'm getting a little lost. Um, That part of the the very end, feeling as cold as outside the walls disappear to some woman who's screaming, a man pleads forgiveness, his words I cannot hear. So that is Nicholas reliving the, the murder. And remember I said the newspaper article was fake. So he's reliving the murder. We're about to learn what kind of happened. And it's kind of referring to uh, Julian is pleading with Edward, which kind of sets up a big twist in the story. So at the, at this point, uh, if anyone's lost at this point, basically, uh, what the newspaper article said and what Nicholas kind of has inferred from what happened to Victoria is Victoria and Edward had the affair. Julian got angry, killed Victoria, and put the put the suicide note in his pocket. And so what what's so he he kills Victoria. Julian kills himself with a letter in his pocket that makes people believe that he kills Victoria and then kills himself after. This is kind of setting up a big twist in the story that you find out in Finally Free. So yep. that's all I'll say. Well, this takes us to The Spirit Carries On, which uh, you might as well just call the ultimate dream theater sing-along. <laughs> I don't think there's any of us that when they go, anytime we hear, where do we come from? Live, we're all like, yeah! <laughs> like, yeah. So I think this is the one that everybody everybody really really gets into like i say to me it's the ultimate dream theater sing-along it's the one that everyone Mm -hmm. will sing i remember being at score and just everyone that that was like uh we all believe in the same thing we're all here for the same reason like everyone's on the same page type of moment and it was just it was just so cool doing that and just everybody around us was singing and the whole place was singing it it was just a blast one of my all-time favorite dream theater memories uh, it also is one of John Petrucci's greatest solos ever. You know, there's nothing crazy about it. It's just perfectly tasty, perfectly emotional. It fits, you know, the music perfectly. 
it, it, this whole song is just crafted so beautifully. And, you know, as a result, it's definitely one of the main fan favorites, I think, in the entire catalog. Where do you fall in the spirit carries on? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. We, oh, your mom, your mom's chiming in. We do, chiming in. We do have to. I've, there you I go. I figured she would. Yeah. Yep. Your mom, Rebecca, says, my song, it'll yes. be played at my funeral. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. A little Noted. morbid, Rebecca, but we'll but we'll do we'll we'll, we'll let it slide. Yeah. We'll let it slide. So there I we better go. start learning that guitar solo. Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to play it with a full band. Nope, for <laughs> and a no. vocalist. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Your mom will be your mom will be disappointed otherwise. So <laughs> yeah, what is your take on the spirit carries on? Uh, yeah, I'm one of those. I'm one of those fans. Fan favorite for sure. Uh, basically, ever since I heard it, this was the song I was referring to with beyond this life where these are in my opinion like the two standout tracks for me um again for that very purpose like every time you hear it live it just it brings the whole room together and yeah it's just such a powerful song i also agree with you that it is one of john petrucci's best solos i think in their catalog it just Again, because it, it's nothing like too crazy, nothing too out there, but it just he just s- sits so perfectly in the pocket and does his John Petrucci thing. And you can like, you can really feel the emotion really when he plays this. Like you can just, it just gets you. Besides the lyrics, right? It's just this. His guitar just has so much emotion behind it when you when he plays that solo. So yeah. Yeah. And then like when the choir comes in and everything, it's just like chill after chill with this song. So, I mean, it's basically a perfect song. I can't really, <laughs> it's I can't really say right? much more than that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this song is perfect. Where are we at with the story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of the story, uh, so this is kind of a transition period. Um, Nicholas is just kind of contemplating everything that just happened. Um, where the kind of story starts to go, the bridge where, and this is Victoria speaking to Nicholas now, the the part where it's move on, be brave, don't weep at my grave because I am no longer here, but please never let your memory of me disappear. Uh, this is just... Victoria, I think, in the past life, asking Nicholas to move on with his life after he finishes this kind of investigation into her murder. Um, but then also, obviously, asks him not to forget about her, which I don't think he would anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, the The chorus right after that, the the safe in the light that surrounds me, free of the fear and the pain, that is a that's a callback lyrically obviously to the regression and overture lyrics so that's just a kind of a cool little another like lyrical callback to that um but in a different place in the story and that's basically it for for that story-wise and then that just that just sets up the big final scene where you get like a real classic kind of Quentin Tarantino-esque kind of Christopher Nolan plot twist. Yep. Yeah. 
it sets up the final track on the record, which is finally free. The song that actually I will have my lone complaint about the record. Oh. I, it, it does, I do have something to complain about with this song. Okay, okay. So uh, we'll get to that. But uh, it, I, this, I, I didn't rank this one very high on my list of closing songs, but I think that's because yeah. it's, 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 it's part of a bigger whole. So it, it wasn't... It just wasn't up there from but although I, I really like the song that's that's not my complaint by the way um i just i, I really enjoy the lyrics to it I, I the the plot twist is really cool um so again back to the lyrics again it, again for not being a lyric guy the lyrics really stood out and did a lot for me on this album which never mm-hmm. never happens so i i enjoyed that um you know it's i i it just builds and builds and builds and it's such it's such a great crescendo to a great record, but it does have something that I can bitch about. The hell is with those footstep sounds? What what kind of flooring does that guy have? Like I thought he's like in his house with like carpet, but it sounds like it's gravel and it's like he's like stomping like. <laughs> but then he's getting a drink. You're like, good lord, dude. Or he's wearing like hell? tap shoes or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, yeah. man, like they, they must have just just the budget must have just ended when they're trying to come up <laughs> with some good sound effects for the footsteps on the carpet because they sound almost identical to the ones in the gravel when he's walking from his car. <laughs> it's like, did he just put gravel in his in his that. house too? Like, what? This guy just have a thing for gravel? <laughs> it's got gravel outside. It's got gravel inside. You know, but I, I'd say it's a pretty damn good record. If if the biggest complaint you have is the is the sound effect of footfalls on carpeting, I, I'd I'd say you're doing pretty good. If that's what one of your fans has to complain about, so certainly. Oh, uh, what do you th- all right? What do you think of Finally I've, Free, man? I have never heard that. <laughs> that complaint yeah, I, before. That's hilarious. I listen to stuff in headphones a lot just to cu- try and get some of like the nuances of things, mm-hmm. and that that and e- even not in headphones, like listening to it in the car, it's always stood out to me. I'm like, what the hell? Sounds hmm. like he's still outside. Maybe he is outside. Maybe he's at a gazebo. He's got one of those like entertaining areas in the back, like a fire pit or something. And he just like he he shut the door. He was checking the mail. He had mail in his door. Just that was the door slam, not him actually going inside. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like a kale. He says because oh, you've never gotten gravel stuck in your shoes. <laughs> not that much gravel. <laughs> yeah. Although, although they probably did think about it that much, that's what's going to be in the end of your story. You'd be like, so here's what happens in the story: <laughs> Nicholas Nicholas comes home, but he got 17 pieces of gravel stuck in yeah. each shoe, and the 17 refers back to the time signature of. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, he was so right. mad he just kicked gravel into his house, <laughs> and there you go. And he's walking on it. <laughs> he has oh, an excellent funny. aim. All right, so finally free. Finally free. Um, I will say I do really like this song in the context of the whole album. I would I would say this is the weakest song on the album. If you're not including like regression, like the spoken part of it. Actually, you know sure. what? It's even maybe even weaker than that. Okay. Um, Again, obviously really important for the story. The one thing I will say musically about this song is this probably has my favorite Mike Portnoy moment potentially ever. 
and okay. that is all of that just nut drumming oh, near yeah. the end um like, especially live right like it's just like i remember hearing this in the very first time and i just i remember rewinding this part like a thousand times just to figure out what in the world he was doing and then hearing like hearing it especially on the the live scenes from new york kind of just how he like reinterprets that ending and I just, I think it's one of the more brilliant moments he's ever had. Yeah. So, uh, I will say that about the song. Um, you are getting called out by Kevin Orta in the chat. He says, weakest song on the album, hottest take of the night, I'd say. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so there you go. Well, now you got to tell us what, what you think would be weaker than this one, Kevin. And do we count regression? Yeah. I mean... That, that that would that would seem I like mean, low hanging fruit, Kevin. So I don't I don't think if, if we can't go with regression, you got to tell us what you would think is weaker than yeah, because that's fruit. like an intro. I mean, you can make an argument for through my words, but again, that's kind of like a like a short like transitional piece into fatal tra- exactly. tragedy. Exactly. But just like looking right. through the tr- through the track list, oh, did he did he come up with an answer? He did not. Oh, he, so. I was just going to yeah. say, how does the story end? Okay. Um, I stand by my statement. It's not a bad song by any means, but in the context of the album, <laughs> it's probably the, the weaker part of the album. As a full um, song, I would, agree, I, would, I would tend to agree with you. Yeah. Okay. This is where the story wraps up, and this is where stuff gets real interesting. So it starts with the hypnotherapist. You're once again surrounded by a brilliant white light. Allow it to lead you away from the past. Um, so this is uh, Nicholas going back into his into his like hypnosis kind of thing. Um, so the right after that, there's like instrumental break, and then the very first verse of the song is through the eyes of Edward. And this is when you find out that Julian did not kill Victoria and himself, but Edward actually killed Victoria and Julian and then killed himself. Uh, So that's, that's the lyrics Friday evening, the blood still on my hands to think that she would leave me now for that ungrateful man. So basically she left Edward to go back to the, alcoholic gambling addict julian um sole survivor no witnesses to the crime i must act fast to cover up i think there's still time and so you find out that edward actually forges a suicide note that frames julian for the murder uh, so he wants he wants people to believe that that Victoria broke up with Julian, and because of his sadness and realizing that they were having an affair, that Julian did like a murder suicide. But you find out that it was actually Edward. Um, then it goes. So you find that all out, and then it kind of switches gears a little bit. Uh, verse two, that part where it starts saying, feeling good this Friday afternoon, I ran into Julie and said we'd get together soon. This is now Victoria. It's kind of going back in time now. So it's kind of like Victoria 
realizing her plans that she wants to uh, get back together with Julian. Yep. Um, you hear that in the lyrics. Uh, he, he's always had my heart. He needs to know I'll break free from the miracle. It's time for him to go. So the miracle being Edward. Um, yeah, she just she realizes that she wants to get back t- together with him. Um, and then that kind of sets up the, the whole like murder story where she says he'd kill his brother if he only knew. Um, then it switches to a narrator. Um, these I all got from the lyrics, by the way, because it just says it, the lyrics all in like the CD jacket and the vinyl jacket. And they say specifically who's speaking at every turn. Yeah. So the narrator kind of just sets up another part. Um, then that then that's when you hear kind of like the murder happens. So that's where like all that kind of scuffle happens. The gunshot happens. Um, that part where it's like, open your eyes, Victoria. That's Edward saying, open your eyes to Victoria. Yep. Uh, and then it switches to... Um, that one last time chorus again. One last time we'll lay down today. One last time until we fade away. This is now in the words of the sleeper Julian. So now it's referring to before it was like Edward and Victoria as in like one last time. We're not going to have this affair anymore. This one in the eyes of Julian. It's like one last time we'll lay down today. One last time until we fade away referring to them both being dead because of Edward. Yeah. And now we go to, this is kind of setting up the, the very final twist, I would say. So, uh, the narrator says as their bodies lie still and draw near spirits rise to the air as all their fears disappear becomes clear up. A blinding light comes into view. An old soul exchanged for new. Familiar voice comes shining through. So that's referring to like the reincarnation. So we know by now that Nicholas is the reincarnation of Victoria. Mm -hmm. Um, And remember, it's important that Edward, who killed Victoria and Julian, is still alive in the past day. So he's the lone survivor. Um. It's then switches back over to Nic- Nicholas. So Nicholas is, this is, he's out of his therapy session. Um, so he learned about Victoria's murder. He solved it. Uh, he realized everything that happened. And so now he's like broken free from that burden. Now this feeling inside me finally found my life. I'm finally free. No longer torn into. I've learned about my life through living through you. Yeah. Um, we'll meet again someday soon, my friend. So that's just referring to like, maybe he'll, they'll meet up in the afterlife kind of thing. Then we get to the, your favorite part of the song, the footsteps. <laughs> so the gravel footfalls. Um, so this is where the story takes its final turn. You hear all the footsteps. Nicholas is entering his house, pours himself a drink. There's like that news report. Um, I don't, I, the, there is like 
all the words to what's in that news report. I don't know how much it has to do with the story. I wonder if it does. Um, but well, I mean, the, the one the one thing that I would say about that is, is I, I I wonder if it does because I mean I don't know for sure, but I mean Ed, Edward is a politician, if I'm remembering yeah, what he's I read a senator, correctly. Yeah, so I think it's yeah senator senator Edward Baines. But yes. um, do you yeah, want me so, to read what it says? Oh, I, yeah, I've got it. It says, the lead story, all anticipating the outcome of the man considered to be a member of American nobility. And as you can imagine, as the skies have grown darker here over Washington, the moon has grown darker as well, and people here are beginning to resign themselves to the possibility that they are witnessing yet another tragedy in a long string of misfortunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I tell the end of the story, and then I, I kind of have a theory, but okay, I don't know perfect. how accurate it is. Because I get <laughs> a little lost in these things. <laughs> so actually, now that you read that out, that part is kind of important. So that, that part of witnessing yet another tragedy and a long string of misfortunes. So that part at the very end, so he puts on the record and then you hear someone say, open your eyes, Nicholas. And it's in the voice of the hypnotherapist. And yes. so he says, open your eyes, Nicholas. And then there's like that little scuffle and then the the needle comes off of the vinyl and then it's like the static and that's the end of the album. So uh, going back to that theory that everyone, all of the characters in the, uh, all of the characters from the past are reincarnations. So Nicholas being the reincarnation of Victoria, this is referring to that Edward who survived and, and killed Julian and Victoria the hypnotherapist is actually the reincarnation of Edward. So he's closing the circle. Closing the circle. So Edward, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, Edward murders Julian and Victoria. The hypnotherapist is the reincarnation of Edward comes back, puts Nicholas, AKA Victoria through this hypnotherapy and ends up killing him so does that mean that potentially the person that is you know the tragedy or whatever in the news story that nicholas is listening to on the television could that be a reincarnation of julian and the hypnotherapist killed him so that's Edward killing Julian and Victoria again. So it's basically, you know, the mm-hmm. hypnotherapist is killing this politician and is killing Nicholas. So it's basically the whole thing all over again. I, I'm wondering if that's what that means. Hmm. Because I, because it, 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 there, were, there were two murders in the original story. And for the hypnotherapist to just yeah. kill to just kill Nicholas, well, where's the second murder? So I'm and, you know, it could, you know, this whole thing, you know, a member of American nobility um, here over Washington. So it's obviously politician. So it could be, you know, Edward was the politician in the previous life, but now mm. Julian is the politician in this life. And so I, I really like, I really wonder if that's, if that's the case. I, I I'm not saying I'm right. I just, it, it would seem to make sense because you have to have that second murder. So maybe that's what it's referring to. True. Yeah. You know, he, he went, he went and shot, you know, hypnotherapist went and shot the 
you know, modern day Julian. And then he went over to Nicholas's house and killed him. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know what? We're working on getting John Petrucci on the show. <laughs> if he comes on, I'm going to have to ask him that question. I'm like, all right, dude, I want to know. Because <laughs> yeah. if I just I, nailed that, I'm going to be really proud of myself because the rest of the story confused me until tonight when you actually yeah. explained it. <laughs> I wonder if he would actually like fully answer the question. I'm, it's 23 I'm sure years old. I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's been asked about it, but I wonder if he he might kind of dance around it a little bit. You never know. <laughs> Damn you, Petrucci! Think, you will answer this question. <laughs> but I think I think I think it's purposely like I think it's purposely done to just like open up conversation like this, like just to be like listeners own version like you you just you kind of come up with your own theory of, of what happened because i'm sure many people have different theories of what actually happened well i i, I like mine i think it makes sense in terms of the story and the cycle so i'm sticking yeah. with it i'm sticking with my theory damn it and if i ever talk to john petrucci I, i'm gonna see if he'll you know it'll give me some cred on the show <laughs> there you go a lot of a lot of people know more than i do but damn it if i figured out the end of scenes from a memory <laughs> i'll always have that feather in my cap so uh, I, uh, I I looked around the interwebs and I couldn't find I couldn't find any of the the band members, uh, even like Mike Portnoy included, that like very openly and specifically said what the story is about, which I think is 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 good because I, I think you just want to leave it to an interpretation. That's why like Christopher Nolan movies are so good because you just like you don't actually know what happened, but you just kind of, it ignites that conversation of like leaving it up to your own kind of interpretation, which I think is part of the whole brilliance of this. So yeah, no, that pisses me off. Give me a fucking ending. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'd be like, you know, like at the end of the first star Wars movie, Luke Skywalker's going through the trench and he shoots the torpedoes. And then it goes, it's the last thing you see is him pushing the trigger and you get are you are you kidding me did he blow it up or not god damn it (laughs) it only took 94 minutes everyone for john to reference Uh, star wars well hey kale mentioned the nerf herder council earlier i was like i'm trying not to self-gloss my own show too much man if you (laughs) took the over on when john mentioned star wars you won (laughs) Right, exactly. Robert Hughes he says, the real question is, who leaves their TV on when they're not home? Uh, Robert, people with dogs. Hello. Obviously, obviously, Nicholas had a dog, okay? And the dog had separation anxiety. And I'm sure somewhere that dog is referenced in future Dream Theater works. <laughs> because everything everything refers back to itself in dream theater world. The so. dog is hiding in room 137. <laughs> exactly. That's what's in room 137. The, yeah. <laughs> the, Nicholas's dog from Seeds from a Memory. <laughs> We've just uncovered oh, the whole thing. We're brilliant, man. We figured out the ending of Scenes from a Memory. We figured out what's in room 137. There you go. So yeah, well, dude, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for jumping on. Um, I love how you went through the story. It, like that was, I know for me, like I, I was, you know, again, going to read the Wikipedia thing that goes into, you know, 
the story of Act One and Two. And I, mm-hmm. when you started going into your explanations per song, I was like, yeah, I don't need to do that. <laughs> so um, it was really, really cool, man. And, and I know for me, like, I didn't understand the story fully, and you doing that actually explained it for me. So that you know, that was awesome. So thank you for putting the time into doing that, man. That is really, really cool. Yeah, no worries. So, it was a pl- pleasure. I'm looking forward to this, though. Like I said, this is my favorite album ever made. So, like, I've listened to it countless times, and I've I've dove deep into some of these lyrics a few times. So, all I ask now is that I would love for this to be made into a movie. I think of any of any album, like maybe this and the Astonishing. God, I just love a movie of of like all this set to the music. Yep. Can you imagine how cool that would be? Well, Kale, Kale, Kale says, guys, we need to watch Dead again together because it's pretty much directly what Scenes from a Memory is based hmm. on. It's not a great film, and the Dream Theater version is better, but it is the inspiration. I'll have to look that up. Dead again. Okay. Well, Kale, you really sold that. It's not a great film, but... <laughs> yeah. Let's watch, watch this it. piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Great. It's kind, it's kind of like Dream Theater, so let's watch this dumpster fire. <laughs> Planet of Shapes. He was the first one in the chat tonight. Uh, good to see you, man. He says, great to hear this deep dive, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Um, before before we go, uh, I do have a show announcement, and I would be remiss if I did not mention that you have your own podcast. So why don't you tell us what that is all about and give us all the details on where we can find it, when we can hear it, and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, thanks. I I actually have three now. I don't know okay. what I'm doing. Um, I have, I have a podcast called the Adam and Kyle podcast. It's with me and my friend, Kyle, go figure. (laughs) And, uh, we just, we have, uh, people on, uh, guests on kind of like once a month where we, it's kind of more of a personal thing. So we dive into some, some major events into people's lives and kind of get an insight as to how it affected them, how they grew out of them. Um, and things like that. Uh, uh, it was a, a spoff, pun intended, of that episode that we came up with called Here's What's Spinning, which originally was a part of that show, but now it's its own separate podcast. And we, uh, every week, uh, we release an episode every Friday, and we and we talk about, we pick like five or six new releases in the music world that we were really excited about uh, and rate them and review them. And so we kind of always have our finger on the pulse of, of new music that's coming out. And then um, my latest podcast hasn't been out yet, but my friend and I just recorded the first episode. Uh, It's called hot takes cold pints and it's a podcast (laughs) revolving around sports and beer. All right, and so we're we're getting uh, guests on from the sports world and guests on from the beer world, and um, interviewing them about kind of their how they got to where they are, um, and trying to tie in if it's a sports guest, trying to tie in like some of their favorite beers. Um, I live in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and the and craft beer in in Canada is. It's like it's most prominent up here in BC. So um, there's tons of craft beer around. And so we're, we're interviewing like all the head brewers and stuff out there. But then oh, also awesome. getting kind of their 
kind of getting their hot takes on the sports world. So, yeah, like how the Cleveland Browns will miss the playoffs again this year. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Uh, let, me, let me guess, you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan now? No, I'm still a Patriots fan. Oh, please, whatever. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> hey, we both might not make the playoffs, so whatever. We're making the playoffs. Just You heard it here first. <laughs> so uh drummer chris i would love, I would love to put a, i would love to put a bottle of john Pertucci's bourbon on that well i don't bet because as soon as i bet i lose otherwise i would fair yeah so even if i do a gentleman's bet then i'm i'm immediately jinxing them so it'll be you know it's, it, it'd be bad so uh drummer chris says thanks for this deep dive after all these years i finally know the story better Planet of Shape says, rocking my six-month-old to bed with you guys in one ear. Just discovered your podcast a couple of weeks ago. So exciting. I'll listen to your channels, Adam. Well, thanks for checking us out, Planet. Hopefully the kid goes to sleep for you so you can get a little more sleep yourself. (laughs) Kevin Orta says, awesome talk, guys. Can't wait for the next one. Very cool. Thanks for tuning in, man. so yeah, make sure you guys are checking out Adam's stuff. Uh, it's really great, man. It, it's a couple different versions, you know. Like I say, he's got the sports, he's got the beer, you know, the personal stuff, you know, the music. It's you're kind of hitting all the all the every yeah, corner and, of what uh, you're into, man. Uh, next week, actually, uh, next Thursday, we have uh, the one and only Brian Hendrickson. He is coming on to the Here's What's Spinning podcast, and we are doing a. Kill Switch Engage song draft. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's no secret. John and I have kind of been talking a little bit, but, uh, John, of course, we're trying to get you on as well. So, we'll, yes. We'll figure that out on a later day. And I want to have just both of you on and we'll just shoot the shit and talk about whatever the heck we want. So, as soon as you do a Van Halen song draft, I'm, I'm on. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tough one for me it would be tough for me but you know i, I speaking of I'm, I'm actually doing uh i'll be on discography discussion again tomorrow night doing uh you know a deep dive into the discography of van halen so i'm really looking forward to that so oh, when babe. that comes out i'll let everybody know but um cool but yeah a couple quick show announcements for us uh, our next episode will be on Thursday, August 11th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are doing one of our kind of off shows, kind of not. We are going to be doing a deep dive into a record by Brian's favorite band. Uh, besides Dream Theater, we are going to be digging into Rush's Moving Pictures album. And we may have a special guest from the nerd side of things, um, an acquaintance of mine, Dan Madsen. He is the originator of Star Wars Celebration, uh, all kinds of other nerd cred stuff. So he may or may not be on. He's supposed to be, but his schedule changes, so we don't know. But in in any case, Hmm. moving pictures, deep dive on August 11th. uh, On October 6th, these are going to be kind of spaced out here but october 6th we will be doing a van halen deep dive on the anniversary of the unfortunate passing of eddie van halen because that guy is my hero so van halen is is basically religion to me and uh the next fan hangout has been scheduled it will be friday december 30th so uh, if you would like to co-host on okay. that show, you can feel free to shoot us an email at talkingintoinfinity at gmail.com. You don't have to do that now because it's five months out. But just figure it out. Let everybody know so they can put it on their calendar if they want to tune in. Um, I'm sure there will be more gorilla farts. Uh, for uh, those of you who don't know what those are, you got to go back in the uh, Talking Into Infinity archives to find out what gorilla farts are. They're gross. But uh, 
I'm sure I'm sure that'll be a thing because I did it on the last fan hangout. So yeah. So uh, December 30th, Friday night, we're going to hang out and just talk Dream Theater and have a bunch of special guest hosts on. We're all going to hang out and celebrate the holidays and probably get drunk together. So, uh, Beautiful. Yeah, Adam, once again, man, uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much for coming on. It was a blast, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it was a blast. I, lo- I loved deep diving into the, this album in particular. And then, yeah, real quick, uh, you guys, you and Brian are just killing it with this podcast so (laughs) keep it up Um, it's super cool just to have like a dream theater podcast out there you're the only one that i know of and um yeah it's just cool that you've like the guests that you've been able to get on have been really cool that uh that james labrie deep dive into his whole soul album was uh incredible so yeah i mean i'm just gonna keep listening and keep up the good work guys because you guys are killing it so well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. Like, we've got some really cool stuff, some irons in the fire for some other really fun interviews, and you know, um, we do our best. Just two nerds getting together to talk some dream theater. It was I got to credit Brian. It was his idea. I'll always give him the the credit for it. So, but thank you very much for the kind words, man. It's it's hugely yeah. hugely appreciated. So, um, all right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it up for another episode of Talking Into Infinity. We will be back on Thursday, August 11th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com and the CMSNetwork.com. And for my buddy Adam, Brian, hope you're traveling safe. And until next time, guys, Carpe Diem. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out Talking Into Infinity, a dream theater podcast. Just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show. If you give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T Podcast, we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live. It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages, and it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So again, give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T Podcast. And come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again and carpe diem.